Coming up on your favorite podcast, Can You Dig It? Peak Cinema returns with the 1979 cult classic, The Warriors, starring a bunch of people that you've never heard of. It's going to be great, though, and it's going to be fun. We're talking about one of my favorite movies here. So sit back, enjoy, and stay tuned, boppers. Stay tuned. This is the Tim Anderson Podcast, but as you know, every couple of weeks, Tim Anderson Podcast becomes Peak Cinema. That's right. The movie review podcast to change the world of (laughs) movie review podcasts. I just watched Ryan maybe inhale the biggest edible I've ever seen in my life. So I am worried about what his state's going to be in about a half hour, 35 minutes. Rhino. The clock starts now. (laughs) Welcome to the pod, my friend. It's so good to see you. It's good to actually be in here. It was a hell of a time getting logged in tonight. Yeah, no kidding. I don't understand what happened there, but we got to work on that. Here's how angry I am. And this is my wife's call and she gets credit for this. Here's how angry I got. Twitter is not open on my computer. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Now that is heated. That is so aggressive. It is usually open 24 hours a day. It is currently closed uh, elon appreciates your business though i'll tell you that he really appreciates he it. doesn't get a dime from me good well i hope so and of course if that means it's peak cinema it wouldn't be peak cinema if we didn't have the resident feminist of the podcast the greatest uh, the, the 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 touch of class to the pod that she is the great the lovely the talented lauren nelson kane Lo, how are you darling i'm sick and tired of being because Ryan had a very similar rant on Monday's pod. I don't know if I want to give you the floor here. If you want to go after it, feel free. I uh, I'll I'll keep my rant to a minimum. I think Ryan covered it. Um, I'm sick. Our child is not in daycare, and yet every time we leave the house, we get the plague. Um, so this is a joy. It's a joy for him. It's a joy for me, and. Um, we, we get to, you know, go back to my in-laws, uh, bring my child back to my in-laws tomorrow, and I'm sure extract some kind of African uh, virus that no one's ever discovered. Some West Nile, East Nile. Yeah, Actually, they'll, they'll give you East Nile yeah. this time, yeah. Some, some thawed form of some ancient virus that has just been living in the dirt in my parents' backyard. <laughs> some Jurassic Park style some uh, fossilized un- mosquito. Yeah, yeah all exactly. of a sudden you're going to be getting sprayed with some, some kind of mist like Wayne ancient, Knight in the movie. Ancient American tsetse fly. Just <laughs> Have you thought great. about just bringing a giant bottle of Purell with you? And just like every six I, seconds. It, Look, does, the, it does nothing. The kid is always wet anyway. Pouring Purell over his head wouldn't be the worst idea. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it couldn't just, hurt at this point. He Today we picked him up. And his whole butt was wet. And we don't know why. We still don't know. His diaper was dry. We checked. He just we, runs, you know, he just runs he's moist. Just wet. He's just a moist young man. That's what do my you do? Wet at all times. Just, just <laughs> a constant state of moist. He's like, uh, he's like Shaq at the foul line. Just all the it's, time. Just sweating profusely. It's just, it's not sweat. It's, it's drool and it's snot just constantly. 
Drool and snot, uh, milk. It's water, like a faucet. Yeah. He does this thing where he does this thing where he'll take a drink and he'll he'll be halfway through the drink and he'll want to go, ah, because he sees grandpa doing that uh, when grandpa takes a drink. Uh, but he doesn't realize that he has to swallow the water first. Uh, so <laughs> he, he just allows all that. He just yeah. lets it pour out of his mouth while he goes, ah. Well, then what you need to do is do what, uh, you know, you got to get him on board with what you do after the eggnog. And that is drink the eggnog, sit, bask in it, wait like a minute and a half, and then go, ah, that was lovely. You That's know, a great ah. idea. <laughs> <laughs> So we, get, we have three jugs of eggnog in the fridge waiting. Could to that be, be the problem? Favored. Maybe there's too much eggnog being consumed in your house and it hurts the immune I, system. I, first of all, I agree with you. Um, I think that there is too <laughs> much eggnog being one. consumed, period. End of <laughs> sentence. Um, I think it's a revolting drink and I do not understand the concept of it. Although he said um, when you guys went to the European market, Lauren, that he had this this uh, eggnog that was to die for, and you're saying you didn't enjoy any of that eggnog? Oh, I did. No, <laughs> he kept <laughs> offering it to me, like, "Here, take a sip. You'll like it." And I'm like, "I don't feel like you know me in this moment." It's like, I don't need I, that cup of warm jizz. I'll pass. Thanks anyway. I, I don't need I, that bull sperm. Uh, what? Whatever. Like whipped up. What is it? Is it eggs? Why is it eggnog? I don't know. What is it's, the nog? What is made of the nog? What is the nog? Eggnog. Eggnog is like a spiced custard. Oh my god! That's so much work on it It's a spiced custard You're drink. Drinking custard? Oh my god! It's so the thick. Gallon, you can baby. see it. Look at it. it's all over his face right now. He's just—he's uh, like your son. He's almost worse than your son. The way it's the way it's looking right now. I thought I thought watching and smelling my son drinking whole milk all the time was going to be disgusting. And then I remembered I have spent years watching my husband drink eggnog, and I think I'm up for the task. I'm almost halfway through this. That is revolting. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Oh, hey, Ryan. Yeah. I just have one question for you tonight as we head into our movie pod tonight. Peak cinema, yeah. by the way. You ready? Yeah. Can you dig it? <laughs> and, and Lauren owes me twenty dollars. <laughs> look on your will, face, like will, why? Will Lauren? Will Tim open the podcast with "Can you dig it"? <laughs> over the the over under at the minute was uh, was five. I took the over because I knew we'd talk about dad stuff. <laughs> I am twenty dollars richer. If by twenty dollars richer it means that it just stays in my bank account, yeah, <laughs> it just means you're twenty dollars cer- less lost. Like you don't, you're not even right. surrendered twenty dollars. It's a to ceremonial the, to the other to the other half of the bank account. <laughs> <laughs> There's an imaginary partition there. Uh, with all that being said, Ryan, yeah, can you dig it? Maybe, kind of. It's all right. <laughs> Tonight, ladies it's- and gentlemen, on Peak Cinema, we are going back to 1979. Yeah, yep. 79, I do believe, with Walter Hill's uh, movie, so, a cult classic, The Warriors. Uh, for those of you who have not seen The Warriors and don't know The Warriors, I'll give you a quick synopsis of the movie. 
And then Lauren and myself and Ryan are going to get into it. So 1979, it is this sort of dystopian world of New York where there are gangs outnumbering the police and basically what feels like a civilianless New York. It feels like it is just gangs and cops. Um, but on this night, Cyrus, the head of the Gramercy Riffs, has called a convention uh, of, of all the gangs to gather for a talk of peace and a talk of coming together in unity. And just as that happens, uh, the police raid it and Cyrus is killed. And before you know it, it's pinned on the warriors. And it is a fight for survival through the city of New York back to Coney Island for the warriors as they encounter all these different gangs in this, uh, again, very stylized, um, very kind of dark, dingy version of New York City, 1970-ish, 1979-ish, 80-ish. It is a low budget film. Paramount produced it. They own it basically, but it was produced with very little money. Walter Hill went on to direct a bunch of other things in the eighties, Beverly Hills cop. It's I think 48 hours, et cetera. Uh, went on to have a very nice directing career, but this is his debut. Um, not a lot of big name actors in this film. Uh, it is a very, um, like I said, it's, 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 it's in that vein of like Rocky horror and some of those other kind of cult classics of the time where it's not going to blow you away with its acting, but there's just something about it that sticks with you. And so that's kind of the plot, for better or for worse, of The Warriors. Did I miss anything? No, I think that's... I mean, it's it's really... It's hard to put into words why you like it. Because you're right. It's not, it's not like the script is anything to super write home about. Um it's not like the acting is blowing you away, but it, there is something like kind of charming about it. It's almost dreamlike. And it's just, it's such a fun, it's such a fun movie to watch. I think there's something um, very evil deadian about watching a movie that, you know, was made for like $5 and a smile. Yes. And it, and it does still somehow come together to be like, not just a cohesive film, but like, actually fun and enjoyable to watch uh regardless of the fact that i mean i'd be shocked if if uh i discovered anybody got paid to do this (laughs) here's a six pack of a and w root beer and uh you can keep the vest congratulations (laughs) Uh, it would be lovely pretty much that's about right i really i really enjoy it i mean yeah, I mean, there's a charm to it. Ryan feels differently. I, I yeah, Ryan does that. feel differently, and I'll get to Ryan here in just a second. He'll, un, he'll you know take a dump all over this thing. I'm sure in about the next five <laughs> minutes. But uh, I, I will say this: I I do like this film. I really do, and I think it's just there's some. It's first of all, it's like again, it's 90 minutes. It's just right in my it's right in my happy zone as far as pace. Uh, it moves really well. There are moments that are iconic to culture, like. There's a lot of people who you you can say, can you dig it or can or, uh, you know, warriors come out and play and they don't know what it's from. And, but yet they'll say it because they've heard it in a hip hop song or they've seen it in a movie. Uh, or even like if you're a fan of Booker T, the great wrestler in the WWE who comes out to can you dig it sucka as his opening thing for his uh, his theme music. And you're just like, God, where's that from? And you come to find out it all traces itself back to this movie that has achieved this status amongst uh, a certain group of people, not so much maybe today's youth, 
But like my generation, maybe the last youth that it served or your generation, the last youth that kind of looked back at it and said, yeah, this movie's pretty sweet uh, to check it out. Maybe it's because it was a video game in 2005. Um, but there's something it had a renaissance and now it's just sort of settled into that old. It, it might be one of those movies that's forgotten in 20 years completely because this generation will ignore it and it'll go away. Much like a lot of movies of the 70s and 60s of this kind of ilk have sort of just gone away. But which I love a, this movie. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Which is a bummer because I think that I think that uh, filmmaking has evolved, obviously, drastically since this movie was made. Um in in many ways and i i think that sitting sitting like a 15 year old down to watch this movie with absolutely no context they would be like what what is this what is this that i'm watching what is this piece of shit that i am watching but it's there's there's a joy there's a joy in it i don't know it's 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 fast-paced it's it feels different. There's something different about movies that were like made in the seventies. They're just, I can't put it into words. There's a vibe to it that doesn't exist anymore. And so I, I think sitting a teenager down to watch this movie would be like moot. (laughs) I think you're absolutely right. I think you've hit it. Ryan. Now you come from the other side on this film. You called it to me today, a fever dream. So please go on and describe your thoughts as you watch The Warriors for the first time. I want to be very clear about one thing. When I say I didn't hate it, right? I, yeah. I'm not I'm not saying it's a bad movie, right? I'm not saying that you know people can't enjoy this movie or that you know I didn't you know that I even I even actively disliked this movie, right? The, the thing that I want to get across here is that just because it's not my cup of tea doesn't mean that it's not good. Right? Right. This movie is not my cup of tea. Right? This is not the flavor of movie that I enjoy. I can see why people like it. Lauren is right. There's charm there. But to me, this is a fever dream bound loosely with some pretty ancient racial slurs. Uh <laughs> it feels like they were in a race to see how many slurs they could fit into the script of this movie at a given time. <laughs> and there is and that I have more. a I I have a note uh that Ryan and I had to Google a slur that they said because I knew it was a slur. <laughs> but we didn't, I didn't know what it, what it meant. <laughs> we didn't know what it meant, but we knew it wasn't good. And you it's know, not we, boppers, we, right? Because boy, do I love when Lynn Thinkpin says calls everybody boppers. It's no, it was thing in the we, world. we can't go there because we might get japped. Says oh yeah, Ajax. It's a tough scene. Yeah, uh, well, if it comes from Ajax, you have to basically uh, censor everything Ajax no, says. Was that Ajax or was that um, Fox? I think that was Fox. I don't. Did Fox exist? I don't. They didn't acknowledge <laughs> him after he got kicked off the platform. Well, it's because uh, the, there's some great behind the scenes stuff on that that I have for you in that. Oh, that's so good. Keep going. Uh, but the, you know, the, there's, there's all those points, but the, 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 the slurs thing is, you know, it's, this is 1979, right? And it, these it, are it, gangs. These aren't exactly nice, well-read New York, NYU. <laughs> I, I get yeah. that. I understand. Right. I, I, I do. It's just, there's something jarring about hearing the F slur basically so thrown around, like thrown around like Tootsie Rolls at a parade. Again, you know, there's, Ajax there's, is not a nice guy. He's not so a good many, dude. 
there's so many F slurs that they're just like they're ground into the into the pavement as they're running away from the bus from the the parade of F slurs in front of them. In 1979 like New York, that's pretty average. I think that's probably pretty accurate, I would guess. That's right. 1970s New York. The streets are paved with the F slur. Yeah, that's, it's, that, it's how they sold the city. That's how they got any kind of uh that's, that's true. That does explain they didn't call it the city that never sleeps during that time. They literally that, called it that. That's what the other. <laughs> that does ex- that does explain the uh, the appeal to Irish and Italian immigrants at the time. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey! Is that the time? Uh, at the time. At the time. Been... <laughs> at the time. At the time. Good God! So again, Ajax doesn't age well. But yet you can't take your eyes off Ajax. So, like, I don't know how you can. Yeah, apparently. It's just, he's an incredible character. Apparently Ajax can't keep his hands off of people either. He, he certainly I, can't. That scene, I mean. that scene is bananas to yes. me when he gets arrested. Yes. Bananas. Bananas. I, he sits down on. The, first of all, there's so much about this scene. Just, like, break it down for a minute. So <laughs> We're going to cut to the middle of the movie when Ajax gets arrested. Sorry, sorry, but I have to discuss it. So there is just a, it's like the middle of the night. There is a random woman completely alone doing nothing like she's a robot. In this like civilianless world where we've seen like four civilians the entire time in New York City. And it's like, at this point, I'm assuming it's like two in the morning and she's in the middle of, I assume like Central Park or something. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, just sitting on a bench by herself. She's not. She's not doing anything. She's not reading a book. She's not reading the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> she's not doing anything. She's just sitting on that bench. And Ajax is like, "Wouldn't it be great if I went back and assaulted her? Isn't that fun?" <laughs> and so he goes and he sits down next to her at the bench. And P.S. She like they're flirty. She seems like she's into this. And then he's just like, instead of instead of just things naturally progressing here as they appear to be doing all on their own i'm just gonna be really weird about it uh and really go in for the kill and then she she when she handcuffs him i'm like well good you fucking weirdo like i i understand i I was watching this the uh, like special features on the dvd that we have and they're talking about how people were disappointed that ajax got taken out of the game like halfway through the movie and I'm like, but do we, did we see why he got taken out of the game? <laughs> yes. Seems like your own damn fault, you moron. I feel it, like Ajax is maybe one of the 20 most tough characters to like, it's it's kind of like Anton Chigurh for me a little bit, like, and, and some characters that you're like, I should not like this guy at all there's no reason to like him but i can't take my eyes off him i can't look away like he's the thing that when he's on the screen i'm like i have to watch i can't i can't just go for the popcorn when ajax pops on he's like of all the actors in the movie james remar ajax has a presence that is just like it's powerful like he's got he's throwing 105 like the whole movie and he's just you can't stop watching him, even though he's maybe the worst human being in the history of, of film. Well, and that's that's I think that James Remar, who, by the way, who's has gone on to have a pretty good career himself. Um, I I think that he brought 
something to that character that is so obviously not written on the page. Yeah. And as, as a result, even though we know he's a bad person, he's just so magnetic and magnetic um, that you can't stop watching him. And then it's like that scene, it's like, for me, it's like, oh, I'm completely disillusioned. There's just everything about it is like, oh, oh, that's right. You're terrible. Never mind. It's almost forgot, like Walter Hill this needed to remind us of that. It was almost like he sat down and said, you know what? I don't want you to like these guys. Like, yeah. I don't want the audience to like any of these characters. They're all bad guys. And just to prove that to you, we're going to we're going to make Ajax do this thing in the middle of the movie and you're going to hate Ajax like and be like Ajax is an idiot. And that's exactly what you do. You you sit there and you watch Ajax like five minutes earlier. He's got maybe the second best line in the movie with I'll shove that bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle, <laughs> which is <laughs> one of the which- great lines of the movie. And then you're just like, yes, Ajax, I am rooting for you. And then five minutes later, you're like, oh, Ajax, not it's. <laughs> Oh, that's right. He's a gang member. <laughs> that's right. I He's forgot. a violent gang member. I forgot. Ooh. Thanks for reminding me, Walter Hill. Appreciate you. If that if that's what he's trying to do, I think he achieves it. Because yeah, that's that's definitely a moment in the movie where I'm like, oh, that's oh oh, <laughs> that's right. I forgot what I was watching. Ryan, um, back to your analysis a little bit. I know sure. you said we talked about all the. Uh, the F-bombs and various slurs and whatnot. But let me hear more of your thoughts on on the Warriors on your first watch. Uh, I think that about 80% of their problems could have been solved if they would have just listened to Swan. Uh, <laughs> Swan seems like a pretty bright guy, doesn't Swan, he? <laughs> Swan seems like he's the only guy with his eye on the ball the entire movie. Even even when Mercy is throwing herself at him, he's, he's, he's got the wherewithal to say, no, we got to get back to Coney Island. Yeah. And uh Which, and you know I had what? a choice between Mercy and Coney Island. I probably choose Mercy. I'll be really awesome. Because Coney Island Hey, if Mercy's coming with me to Coney Island, that's fine. Uh, that's that's the answer because you know what's not in Coney Island? A bunch of thugs trying to freaking kill me. Uh <laughs> at least you know, not at least not to my knowledge. Uh if we would have just gotten on the train and all stayed together instead of having Ajax go do his own thing. Uh, just meet at Union Square. All of this gets solved. Just follow the plan. It, everybody, everybody, they go through that whole scene at the beginning where they're like, no, no, Swan is the war leader. Swan is the war leader. And Ajax reluctantly backs down and then nobody fucking listens to him the rest of the movie. Just everybody, everybody just promptly fucks off and does their own thing. And they end up with like half their numbers by the end of the movie. Uh, They're like the all male team in every episode of Hell's Kitchen, where just like all of a sudden Gordon Ramsay's yelling, One Wellington, one Wellington, one scallop. Right. And these guys can't get it together. The plate they, comes in, four different had, things show up in front of them. They had a game plan, they had a system of execution, they were ready to go. And as soon as the clock strikes and there's no woman there to keep everybody in line, everything falls apart. Yes. <laughs> I think you've hit some spot just, on stuff. It's just egos and thinking with your dick. 99% of this movie. That's all That's it is. Whole movie. That is the whole movie. It's not well, nice. Except- Swan doesn't do that. I mean, Swan's pretty straightforward, I think. 
Uh, you know who else doesn't do that is Rembrandt, and I'm pretty sure Rembrandt's gay, but no one wants to talk about that because Nobody, they've all got yeah. the F slurs. They don't have to. They don't have to <laughs> well, issue Rembrandt, an apology. Yeah, Rembrandt can't say anything, or Cowboy certainly can't. Re- Cowboy can't fight anybody. I mean, he's the the worst. He's if he was a gang member, I'd be like, I like my chances against this gang because that guy couldn't beat anybody up. Like I could kick that guy's ass, no problem. So Ryan, were you a big Cyrus guy in the beginning? What did you think of Cyrus's speech? Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, first and foremost, the thing that you got to say about that speech is, can you dig it? Can uh, you dig it? <laughs> I, I think that, you know, it was, it was rousing. It was, you know, obviously it met the moment. It, it was bringing people together. Can as you dig it? As a speech it? guy, as I, could in, in a world I, of great speeches, we coach speech. Why has anybody not done Cyrus? From, well, for, for, what brings you together more than Cyrus? First and foremost, because fictional speeches are against the rules. Uh, second of all, uh, because as Lauren rolls her eyes at me. Uh, second of all, uh, because uh, frankly, as a speech, as it's written, I don't think Cyrus finished high school. Uh, <laughs> His math is definitely questionable. We have to question the math. There is zero chance there's 20,000 people there. There's 20,000. Uh, and then another uh, 40,000 sitting somewhere else in New York. Like, where the hell could these people be? In 60, what? 60,000? I, I have a hard time believing there's 60,000 thugs running around New York City and and that you're just willing to scatter as soon as the police show up, right? I, I get that Cyrus is dead and the gun has gone off, but the cop... The cops show up at the beginning of this movie in the middle of Cyrus's speech. Why don't they turn up? They just heard this big speech about how they turn on the cops. You know, not all the cops are there and you've got 20,000. You just heard that you have strength in numbers. What are you doing? Well, again, you, again, you, again, we've, we've touched on the issue of the, the men in the room have a great plan. They, you know, they have a, an idea of execution. And then the second the shit hits the fan, Everybody scatters and there's zero, every man for himself. We have no leader. The leader's dead. Oh, what am I going to do? Got to run. Can't fight together with these guys. Egos rule and, and everything falls apart. Would you be a fan? Like, is it tough for you to watch Lauren Orion when Cleon, like, because Cleon seems like such a great character and he's basically done in like 15 minutes. Like, it's like, it's kind of like we love like, We, we get to like Ajax for an hour. It's like, I would have taken an hour of Cleon too. Like I could have, I could have done an hour of Cleon. I was in. I, that's the biggest bummer to me is losing him so early because maybe, maybe that's for like, like the artistic, artistic creative purposes of the movie of like, you really think that this is going to be the guy we're going to follow throughout the rest of the film. And then he's, he's taken out in the first like 10 minutes. But he's he really is so good, and I, I'm so bummed that we don't get any more of him. And we, Swan is fine, but yes, nothing wrong with Swan. Swan's great. Yeah. Swan's you delightful. Know, I would have liked more Cleon. In, in a lot of I ways, agree. it's it's emblematic of of Hollywood in the '70s and '80s. A dynamic, rich character of a black man being sidelined for a milk toast white character who does nothing throughout the movie. But in fairness to that, I think this is where this movie gets some credit. The smartest, most disciplined gang in this movie are the Gramercy Riffs. And oh, it's yeah. basically an all-black gang uh, led by, uh, you know, there's Cyrus hey. who dies. But nope. then from there, they have great leadership. 
don't sleep on the boppers either. Those those purple oh, the, vests uh, yeah, that the they're boppers, rocking. The boppers looked incredible. <laughs> and the thing that's funny, I can't quite figure it out because I think boppers seems to be a general gang term based on the radio DJ. But then the boppers are also the name of a gang. Hey, if we can have a National Football League team called the Washington Football Team for three years, we can have a gang <laughs> called the Boppers if they're calling everybody Boppers. So how about this? Let's do a little trivia for Ryan. How many ba- how many gangs can you name? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> well, I've got a few here, and let me just okay. – we'll, we'll see if you can get – I'll give you credit if you can give me five outside of the Warriors. Can you give uh, me five, and then okay. we'll take it from there? Well, they, they ran into four, right? I sure. Think they ran into four. So there's the, the there's the, the rogues. Orphans. There's the so, rogue. I got I got it, Lauren. The I'm rogues. Okay, the, I'll give you the rogues. I'll give you the rogues. They're the rogues. Lauren said the orphans, but don't orphans count that is one. fair. Don't, okay, don't count the orphans. All right, throw the orphans I, out because I I didn't say it. Um, there's the Gramercy Riffs. Yep, got the Gramercy Riffs. There's the uh the Lizzies. The Lizzies, you got that. The uh uh the the baseball furies. Yes, the Baseball Furies, which might be um, my fantasy name next year. Don't be surprised if I'm not team named the, fan, the Baseball Furies. The uh, the ones you and I talked about today with the bus, Turnbull AC. The Turnbull ACs, you got five. There you go. Uh, and then the Punks. The Punks are great. You got the Punks. Obviously, you we got, talked about the Boppers. Got the Boppers. Um, you got, yeah, all kinds of them. They're good. They're, there was the uh, the Van Court Rangers, I think was one of them. The, the, uh, J- Saint, the Jones the Saint- Street Boys. The Satan's Mothers we saw briefly. Satan Mothers, yep, you got that. Very uh, good. You did great. You I, did I, great. Paid t- I paid attention to the movie. That's First time ever. Hey, now. <laughs> hey, Lauren, now. Uh, Lauren, of all the gangs outside of the Warriors, what gang could you have spent like, hey, we could have had 15 more minutes with these guys, and I think I would have enjoyed it. The Lizzie's. I mean, I think were great, weren't they? Yes. I think that was such an obvious answer for me specifically, but I also just think that they were so (laughs) fun, and I could have watched a movie about the Lizzies by themselves. That was pretty sweet. I think that them uh, realizing that uh, the entire city is against them because the Lizzies are like, "Yeah, come in, have a drink, party," and then. (laughs) <laughs> realizing, oh, this is actually a very clever ploy to kill you. I that's so that was such a good scene to me. I I loved it and I love their tactic. All these other all these other gangs have been uh fighting against them all night, chasing them with fucking baseball bats and buses and yeah. shit. Yeah, the Turnbull ACs look like some real badasses. I gotta be really if I had a bus and just drove around town. I, if I first of all, if I lived in the neighborhood where the Turnbull ACs were driving a bus around every day, I don't care. I'm out of town. Like, there's got to be something in Des Moines I can go do. There's got to be a job. I, there's got to be a come and go I can go work at somewhere. We're good. I don't need to live by the Turnbull ACs. <laughs> well, I will say that that must have been at like an ice cream truck. How slow it was going. That the entire, <laughs> all the warriors were able to outrun this bus. So either they're superhuman, in which case I don't know why they're concerned at all in this film, or that bus was was like in neutral. Yeah, there are five-year-olds on big wheels that seem to go faster than that bus. <laughs> I, I don't understand or, it. Or the subway when when Mercy and and, and uh, Swan are jogging down the tunnel, not even sprinting as that train's coming. They're jogging down the tunnel. 
And you got, well, Mercy's a, just a mess, just a hot mess at the end of this movie. But, um, hey, you asked about Fox. So yes. I wanted to give this to you. So here's the tea. So it turns out, like, Fox, early on in the production, just I guess was just really hard to work with, kind of a colossal pain in the ass, would battle with, you know, with Walter Hill, would battle with directors to the point where they fired him in the process of making the film. So basically, that's a stunt double. And they write his death just just clean out of the movie. Like that, he, early on, for 20 minutes, he's a pretty integral part of the film, 20, 30 minutes. And next thing you know, he's just getting thrown over by a cop onto the subway and we never talk about him again. Uh, that's like some savage director stuff. So that's he's a not- stunt double that they throw into the thing or whatever, a lookalike, a body double or whatever. So they don't he's even acknowledge even- him. He's not even credited in the film. I was trying to figure out. I have IMDb up while I'm watching the movie. Yeah. And I'm trying desperately to figure out what this guy's name is and who the actor is. It like he plays he's not like one of the gang members that's basically in the background. He has like a decently prominent role. Yeah. Why can't it, why can't I find him anywhere? He's completely uncredited in the film. Yeah, Thomas G. Waits is apparently who it is. Um, but he was supposed to be like a bigger part of this film and they were just like, you're such a pain in the ass. We're just going to kill you off and we're going to move on. So what's great. So what's great about that? I just watched the special features and, um, the director, everyone I think was trying to, um, uh, tiptoe around the reason that he got fired. Um, so it, it says that Fox was originally supposed to have the romantic entanglement yeah. with mercy, but allegedly, uh, the chemistry was not there. I don't know why you would hire these two people if the chemistry wasn't there, but allegedly the chemistry wasn't there. And that's what, <laughs> that's what everybody kept saying. And then like the director, Walter Hill gets on screen and is like, yeah, Tom Waits and I just didn't uh, see eye to eye. And um, just didn't agree on a lot of stuff. So we just decided about halfway through the movie to kill him off. And I'm like, that was very blunt. That was very blunt. Well, think of how much different the plot is. Like in the original script, it says, yeah, he's supposed to develop the romance with Mercy and lead the warriors back to Coney Island while Swan is kidnapped by a rival gang. So like that's supposed to be what happens. And instead, they're just like, ah. Throw his ass in front of the train and Swan will take the lead from there. Which, by the way, is a better movie because Swan's a better character than Fox. Like, Fox has, there's nothing interesting about Fox. He plays a big part early, but you're kind of like, really? They thought Fox was going to be the prominent character? I don't see it. He's not even more, he's not more, he's like the fourth most interesting warrior at best. It's just so obviously Swan, like, well before they made the decision to fire Tom Waits. Yeah. And it's not the good Tom Waits, by the way, who sings all the great music. Like, uh, it's not it's not that <laughs> oh, Tom sorry. Waits. I want to be Thomas, super clear. So, sorry, Thomas G. Waits. Thomas G. Waits. Because uh, the Thomas Waits that sings like Downtown Train and Martha, that Tom Waits is good. We take him. <laughs> if his ass wants to come in and do the Warriors, I'm on board. <laughs> just want to say that for the record. All right. We got to give me some other facts. So as uh, I want to say Lauren said this, maybe Ryan did too. So this is adapted from a novel. This movie was based on Saul Urich's 1965 novel of the same name, which was inspired by, is it, you're the Greek person, right? Is Xenophon's? Xenophon. Xenophon. Xenophon's ancient Greek work, Anabasis. Anabasis. Here's what's fun about this one. 
to make this movie, so to get all these extras in the dark in New York during a tough time, there are real gang members in this opening scene that they had to get and try to control and pay. And it sounded like, so Cyrus gets up and does his big thing at the beginning. Can you dig it? The real gang members who are playing all these extras are like, well, hell yeah, that sounds fantastic. This is great. <laughs> it's just like, if I'm Walter Hill, I'm like, maybe not quite what I'm looking for. <laughs> It's such an well, interesting it's, move. True or false, we can blame the state of the of New York in the 80s on, on this <laughs> on the movie Warriors. being filmed. <laughs> Just money. It's very possible. Well, and it's so interesting that they did that, too, because they had to simultaneously work with uh, the New York City police, basically, uh, so that they could, like, be in the correct locations at the right times and block off, you know. Th- they filmed everything on site, at night in 1970s New York. Very so tough to do that. They've hired all these gang members and they're simultaneously basically working with the police so that they can get these these scenes filmed. So I don't know how they did that. We had gangs. Who knows? It could have been the thing that could have united the state of New York a little bit better, even New York City, right? Think about it. The gangs and the cops working side by side for this piece of uh-huh. art. How, how adorable. Yes. And then Ajax comes in and ruins everything. No, I just, I just want to. <laughs> well, did you hear? Okay. So this was another fact that I found on the DVD. Um, the guy they got to play Cyrus originally was also like a real gang member, a real gang leader. Mm. And before they started to film, he disappeared. <laughs> he disappeared because he was a gang member. They still don't know where he is. So they hired, so they hired, uh, I can't remember his name. That's what they found under giant stadium. They thought it would be Jimmy Hoffa. And they're like, no, it's the guy who was going to play Cyrus. Like that's, (laughs) we had it all figured out. What the hell? They're like on the DVD, the DVD uh, extras were, uh, filmed in like 2005 and they're on the DVD. Like, yeah, it's crazy. I wish I knew where he went, but he just went away. Anyway. So we hired Robert Hill and I'm like, you're really glossing over like a, like at least a 90 minute documentary. <laughs> it's almost like we need more time. It's like, Walt, <laughs> Walt, we need another 30 minutes. Can you come in and just chat with us about some of this stuff? Can we get into some more detail here about what's happening? It's, it's, um, so that's an interesting fact to have these real gang members also to have, you know, New York at night. It's gotta be just, I mean, but it, it's a kind of a perfect backdrop, right? Cause it's kind of grungy it's dark it's dirty i mean everything about it just sets the scene perfectly that's uh, just that's 70s like new york it. yeah i know it's that is what's kind of also fun about this is like how they were able to kind of create this universe kind of create this world uh where there's very few civilians and there's just a ton of gang members and a ton of cops and create this sort of dystopian universe that operates on its own communication system. You know, there's obviously no phones or anything like it's all being communicated through this radio DJ who we'll get to in just a second, but it's such like clever universe building. I would argue. It it feels to me at times like Gotham city. If Batman didn't exist, it's not bad. I like that. It's the way I described this to Lauren was like, if gangs of New York and, uh, uh, West Side Story had a baby, and that baby was on acid 100% of the time. It, 
it feels it it feels like I said, it feels like Gotham City, right? With the level of chaos and the gangs flying around and the way they're dressed and the way they act and talk. It's very Gotham City. It's uh it's what I would expect it to look like on a night that like Batman's incapacitated. They're like, yeah, the, the bat's out for the night. Let's go. Let's have a meeting. Cyrus, call a meeting. Right. Well, it feels lawless um, in the way that it should. I mean, it's it's a they've already established this world in which gangs have gangs basically run New York at this point. Well, and they, they refer to the cops as a gang, too. Right. Like it's yeah. it's they they treat the cops like they're a rival gang. That's true. That's right. Yeah, it feels lawless. It feels dystopian almost. Um, even though it's it's obviously very firmly set in 70s New York. It um yeah, it feels like I said earlier, it kind of feels like a fantasy, it feels dreamlike. It's it's I think that the influence of the comic book becomes more apparent as you get further into the movie, right? Where it even beyond like the comic panels that you get in the transitions in the director's cut, it's <clears throat> It, it it has a comic tone to it. It's almost it's almost like a superhero movie without the superheroes. It's just you, you get that feeling of of kind of a there's no way it could possibly be this bad. That's <clears throat> that's probably a pretty apt description of it. I'll be honest. Let's do some. Um, let's see. Also, yeah, we talked about limited budget. We should also mention that violence broke out. There's they had to pull this from a lot of theaters for a while. Because as they were playing these movies, fights would break out and violence would break out as they were watching this movie. So, like, when it was in the theaters, it oftentimes had to get yanked from a lot of places because it would lead to violence. Uh, what are these was, people watching that they wanted to fight while watching this movie? I don't know what it was about. That's just it. Like, I'm just trying to put myself in 1979 New York. It's all It's all cocaine. That, it's the cocaine. It's. I mean, <laughs> I, I just can't figure it out. Like, you watch Ajax and all of a sudden you're like, yes, more of that, please. Like, I don't know how anybody would think that. Well, and I think we are also coming from a place where um, finding a movie in 2023 that even evokes a strong emotion from you is it's hard. sadly rare. And, um, and, and we can access them anywhere. I can access them on my phone, on my computer, on my home TV. I can go to a movie theater, this, that, or the other thing. Uh, obviously in the seventies, you're pretty much just going to the movie theater, you know, and this is like, you know, before you could even bring the movie home with you. So I think that the experience of just going to a movie theater and just watching this, um, and having this, this experience with other people at the same time, that has got to evoke very, very strong emotions. And if basically the crux of the especially the beginning of this movie, the big Cyrus speech is like, we should all come together. And like, we have strength in numbers as, as, as people, as gang members to kind of rise up. I can understand how, if that's the frame of mind that you're in, it's already going to, it's not like, it's not like New York was devoid of gangs and this is a complete fantasy. You know, this is well before any kind of quote unquote cleanup or gentrification was happening in New York. So those gangs did exist 
probably not in those numbers, but it's not, it's not a complete fallacy. So I can understand that that kind of feeling would, um, kind of evoke almost a revolution type feeling, which I mean, that's going to lead to fights. I can see that. That makes some sense. It's, it's like, uh, it's like showing people a movie about the French Revolution and then charging them $25 for a bucket of popcorn. <laughs> that would lead to violence. They're, they're I'm surprised they don't have more violence at movies after they get those popcorn bills. $25 for popcorn and a soda? What's the matter with you? They're gonna I demand want to, to fight somebody. somebody. Eat the rich. Eat the rich. Eat the rich. I'm, get, I'm getting in somebody's ass here. I just paid $55 for soda and a popcorn and a thing and not just for my son. I don't even have a son. Somebody else's son. I just made fifty five dollars. I took out a second mortgage to watch Napoleon. <laughs> I demanded better. This movie sucked. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's get to uh, let's get to some of our stuff. Favorite scenes. Let's do favorite scenes. Ryan, do you have a couple favorite scenes? Uh, I would say one of my favorite scenes in in just the hilarity and absurdity. Uh, is introducing all of the gangs. Oh God, uh, that beginning is so good. Oh, it is uh, so good. I, it's. I, I think that you know, Lauren and I were watching that movie, uh, and it, and it just like seeing the boppers in their in their purple vests. I looked at Lauren. I said, what "The fuck are these people wearing? <laughs> are they are, are they, they fighting like, in that? <laughs> it's the, they the look only." Like- Different show choirs. The I only mean, that's gangs, what they look like. They, they do. They do. They, it, this, they look like the pop singers. Uh, <laughs> like they're they're going to go out there and they're going to do cups. Uh, <laughs> 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 he at me and he was like, did you pitch turn on perfect. Glee by accident? Yeah, Pitch Perfect, The Warriors, no difference. They're pretty much the same movie. No question about it. <laughs> I, it, that's that's got to be one of the one of the favorite scenes. I think my other, again, just for the absurdity, my other two favorite scenes are how predictable the Lizzies were, uh, because I'm sure that in some part of that Greek myth uh, in Anabasis, which I've not read, uh, but in in Anabasis, uh, I'm sure there's some kind of Odyssean exploit where they and on, land on an isle of lesbians and think they're going to get all of them and. They turn out to be a murderous tribe. Uh, I, I think that there's some of that to this. Uh, it feels very Greek in nature. Um, also, even in the name, like the Lizzies, like that lends itself to uh, an, a homoeroticism. Uh, and I think my other favorite scene there would be the uh, the rejection of mercy by Swan in the uh, in the oh, subway yeah. tunnel. The <laughs> how how ridiculous it is that. You know, she's basically throwing herself at him and he has the wherewithal to look in the subway tunnel and say, no, no, we got to keep going. <laughs> all right, dude, you know what everybody else is doing. They all went to hang out with the Lizzie's and you're here alone with this girl who's clearly interested in you. You're like 21 and you're worried about getting back to Coney Island. Yeah, he, he's right, looking buddy. at her going, you know, Mercy, you, you got to clean up a little bit. You're a mess. Your dress is torn. <laughs> You know, your feet are dirty. You got stuff in your hair. He's, you got a dirty face. Like we're, we're all done he's, here. Like he's come pulling on the now. old, he's pulling the old Glenn Quagmire. Look at yourself. You're disgusting. Yeah. Look at yourself. Oh. Come on now. <laughs> you're a I warrior love- now, not a whore. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you're a McDonald, not a whore. I love that. Those are the scenes that you picked. You, you thought in your head, what are the most re- 
What are the scenes that made me laugh the hardest? I, this movie's a comedy to me. I'm sorry. This is <laughs> artist to be Ra- artist to be interpreted by the by the viewer, and I interpreted this as a comedy. On a scale of like you know a few good men to tremors, like all the movies we've reviewed here on Peak Cinema, like I just wonder like where he'll rank this movie. Like, how, is it going to be right next to the Burbs? Oh, right next to Labyrinth, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like, if, where, if we get, I wonder where we'll have that. I don't know how many of these podcasts we've done already, but if we get to like 50, we all got to do a ranking of the movies that we watched. <laughs> well, not one to 50. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I will have to spit out a list though of all the ones we've done on peak cinema. So Just give, give like a top 10, a top 10 of all the movies we've reviewed. Lauren, give me some of your favorite, favorite scenes. Uh, mine are going to be a little more traditional. Uh, I love Cyrus's speech at the beginning of the movie. Gotta love I think Cyrus. That is such a great freaking scene. I, I that opening like 10, 15 minutes of this movie is legitimately really good. Like it's odd. It's fun. Fun first fifteen minutes. Just magnificent world building too. Like uh, there are, I think, a couple of deleted scenes where. They, they have a little bit more exposition at the beginning of the movie. You know, like the warriors are getting ready to leave and Cleon is is kind of explaining what's about to happen. I like that the movie just starts with a bunch of, um, you know, rival show choirs going to one place, going to one amphitheater to be friends together in their matching outfits. And, um, and uh, Cyrus' speech is fantastic. Uh, the, the actor who plays him is... He's like so never heard from again. He's like a one hit wonder. He, it's like, dry, so, can you dig it? And he's out of there. Never seen like him again. It's like so perfect and so like designed to be iconic. It, it's just a fantastic speech. And it, it's a great, it's a great moment of um, a really good example of, of exposition without uh, really spoon yeah, We don't need 35 minutes of exposition to get into the movie. Like, you know what? I pretty much got it. 10 minutes yeah. of all of that. And I, I pretty much know what's going on. Like we're good. Got it. Yeah. That's, I think all, in, that's in, all I need. In the moment, I hated that there was no exposition because I think I'm addicted to the exposition a little bit. Uh, however, I'll say that uh, upon review and, and reflection on this movie, I think I kind of like it that you just kind of get thrown into it. You just kind of, you're forced to accept the world that you're being shown. Yeah, yeah, and that's all that's all you need because it's just the the majority of the movie is just one gang fighting other gangs uh and various obstacles to get home. So like I don't really all this all this stuff at the beginning, we just got to boom 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 get through it. Cuz the rest of the movie is just it, this is all set up for the warriors just running at full speed back to Coney Island. That's all I need. It's it's great. I think uh, obviously the other great scene, and I'm sure this is one of yours. I, these kind of bookend the movie is uh, Luther at the end of the movie taunting them when they're back on Coney Island. I'm glad you brought Luther up. We should really talk about Luther and the Rogues for a minute because we haven't really touched on them because they are really the true. We've mentioned all these other gangs, you know. We've talked about the Turnbull ACs and you know sort of the Gramercy riffs and how they sort of kind of oversee everything in this movie. But Luther's the inciting incident. The rogues are the rival gang here. And that end bit, you know, everybody's familiar with the warriors and the Coke bottles and him clanging them together. Yelling warriors, come out and play. That's one of the iconic lines of the film. And 
he's just, I don't know what to, I, I'm trying to decide if I like or hate Luther. I feel like I hate Luther the entire movie, but there's a little part of you that's like, I could use 20 more minutes of Luther. Like, I feel like I could use more Luther. I could take more. I'm good. I think that the guy who played him, um, again, I don't know anybody's actor name because most of them are relative unknowns. Pretty much. Deborah Van Valkenburg had a nice, you know, sitcom career in the 80s and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, she's pretty much, that's it. But like, I, yeah, I don't know any of the actors' names, so excuse me. Um, Sean Penn from Wish is magnificent <laughs> <laughs> as Luther. Magnificent. <laughs> I say that, but he is magnificent as Luther. And in the same way that um, uh, James Remar brought something to Ajax that just wasn't on the page. And so you're like kind of just glued to the screen watching him. uh, He did the same thing for Luther. And the famously the Warriors come out to play scene. That was all him. He grabbed those Coke bottles like underneath a boardwalk. Uh, they just kind of asked him to taunt the warriors and that's what he came up with. And it's the most iconic moment from this movie, bar none. Um, yeah, he's it, way over the top, but yet it's okay. Like it still kind of works that he's psychotic and just yeah. sort of does things that he, what he wants. And it's, it's not with any rhyme or reason. And he's just trying to stir the pot and that's his whole thing. And He's clearly tripping on something and you just can't stop watching. Like you're in the whole time. It's very, it's very much a Joker archetype. Really? Right? I think that's great. I, I think, I think that, he, you know, uh, the whole movie I'm watching, I'm like, why did he shoot Cyrus? Like Cyrus was up there, like um, bringing them all together. What weird motivation would he have to shoot him? Um, and then at the end of the movie, they ask him that. And he said, well, I just like doing things like that. Yeah. He, he's, just cra- he's just freaking insane. Not he's dog just a- chasing cars. He's-, <laughs> he's just a complete loose cannon and he likes the chaos. And I think that that actor really brings that out in him. And it's so interesting to watch. And it all kind of culminates in that last scene in Con- Coney Island. I I absolutely love it. I think he's... To me, he's like the movie and I need, I do need more of Luther. I I could use five more minutes of Luther somewhere sprinkled in, in different spots. I could use five more minutes of him. No problem. Uh, Any other favorite scenes? Those are my two. And then every single one that we laughed at, I suppose. (laughs) I got a couple of them. Yeah, I, I I totally am with you on Cyrus and the opening 10, 15 minutes. Like, I think the opening 10 minutes is a home run. Like, it is so fun because it's so colorful and the co- the outfits, the, the costumes of the different gangs. It adds something to this really dreary, dull, dark, dirty set that New York is. And then to have these colorful boppers or to, you know, to have these guys showing up in these costumes is pretty incredible. Uh, I am a huge fan of um I really love the radio DJ Lynn Thigpen who actually went on to have a really wonderful career in her life like she was wonderful Broadway actress uh famous for playing the chief on Where in the World is Carmen San Diego the game show on PBS uh that was her and I knew I knew her face I yep, knew I knew her she, voice 
she's been in, you know, she was, if you listen to the, uh, the original Broadway soundtracks of Godspell, Lid Thing Pin Sigs, Oh, Bless the Lord, My Soul. Like she, that's her song. Uh, she's in the movie of like Jesus Christ Superstar and Godspell, I think too. Uh, she's done, um, she died really young, uh, like in early 2000s. She was on a TV show when she passed, I think. Uh, but she was just like, Ever, like she's had, she had a great career, a really good career. And in this movie, all we really see are her lips and her like amazing, her beautiful voice where she's just real chill boppers, you know, real cool. Like it's just her on the microphone. And it's funny because in like this world of no cell phones and like no, no communication, like she's the one sending these signals out and she plays this really interesting part in the movie. Now, Ryan and I kind of talked about this a little earlier today that Ryan didn't quite get it and didn't know maybe why it was like there was no setup to it all of a sudden she was there and she was just delivering these messages but i couldn't get enough i was loving every time we got a lynn thigpen radio dj moment i was like this is great what a great transitional device to get us from like one thing to another thing and to introduce a new thing like i i was super on board with it thought it was a really cool way to tell a story ryan's not on board though with the dj I, I think I, I'm somewhere in the middle in that I I wish that there was I wish that almost she had like started out the movie. Uh do you know what I mean? Like yeah. like a voiceover of her kind of uh saying like everybody's getting together or whatever. Like just something at the beginning of the movie so that we know that she's like a framing device and and that that's kind of um like removed from reality a little bit because I have a hard time believing that she is actually a radio DJ with minute to minute updates about the warriors somehow. Um, but like, she's a great, um, she's a great framing device, a great transitional device. And I just kind of wish if she had bookended the movie, then it would make sense. It almost would feel like a story she's telling as opposed to inserting her in universe story. Does that make sense? It shows the power of the Gramercy riffs though, because she does feel like an extension of them. Like yeah. she works clearly for them and it's almost like it gets you inside sort of how they're running and how they're the most maybe powerful gang in the city and how they seem to really control things and how organized and disciplined they are. It's just such a cool, it's just a cool piece. Of course, every time I hear her talk, I'm waiting for Rockapella to come in the background. I go, where in the world is Carmen <laughs> Sandier? I was just waiting for it, but I didn't, I never got it. It was just fantastic. Um, other one we have to talk about too is the Baseball Furies. Uh, the scene with the Baseball Furies is nuts, right? Because we get these guys in face paint and they look like the, you want to talk about Wish? Wish I, They were the New York Yankees on from Wish is what they were. <laughs> it's just the most ridiculous outfits. It's the yellow face face paint and this look they have on their face. It's just incredible. It's a great fight scene. You know, we get maybe the best line of the movie with Ajax of I'll shove that up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. Uh, it's, it's, Which it, I, it, also, I also think I heard that that was an improvised line. That is all James Remar. And again, it's, they break the cardinal rule of fights, which I don't understand why they do this. It's like, you got these two guys, you beat the crap out of cowboy already. It's just Ajax and like five gang members before the other two show up. And they're just cool with letting Ajax take the guy one-on-one. 
and, and get the bat. And it's like, no, why aren't all of you jumping on his ass and beating him to death? Like, what is the matter with you people? This is so like, okay, this, when I say that there what is this is Marcus like a- of Queensberry rules bullshit, like, <laughs> come on, let's get this figured out. When I say that there's like a different vibe to like movies from like the 70s and the 80s versus now, this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Because like a movie now would do the same thing, right? Like Shang-Chi can magically fight like five dudes at once. Like, no, he can't in real life. But the camera's moving in a way so that you kind of believe that he's so fast that he's he's kicking all their asses at the same time. And I love the camera just stays put and just you just watch all <laughs> baseball furies basically stand around waiting <laughs> they're just like it's like a like real baseball game they're like oh, one guy to bat at a time one guy at a time <laughs> we do not put two guys in the batter's box that's weird one at a time in baseball I, I have to say my biggest gripe with the baseball furies is their name you don't like the name they're from the bronx <laughs> call them the bronx bombers they probably Why couldn't we- with a copyright they probably had a copyright issue or the bronx <laughs> batters right something like that <laughs> So much better than the Baseball Furies. How stupid a name is that? It's not my favorite name in the movie. They look like the Rocky Home Run Picture Show. They're not. (laughs) That should have been been it right there. You nailed it. I just want you to know I've been workshopping that in my head. (laughs) How long have you been sitting on that one? No way you said that off off the cuff. Oh, my God. I also. See, there's not a, you're right. There's not a ton of dialogue in this movie. Probably smart, right? Keep the dialogue yeah. to a minimum. But like the great at the end, you know, after they've, you know, they've vanquished Luther and the rogues, here come the Gramercy riffs. And you think like, well, here we go. It's the riffs and the warriors right here at the end. And you get a guy like, you warriors are good. That's all we get. And then Swan, the best. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, it's what? not. And the way not, and the way it like fades this. the way it fades out is like top men at the end of Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The best. Best. <laughs> you warriors are good. The best. Top men. It's the best. <laughs> oh man, oh man. Uh so those are my favorite scenes. Uh, we obviously we've touched on the problematic pieces of the film, right? It's obvious, like 1979, different language, d- bad dudes anyway. They're all gang members, which brings us to the question we usually always ask around this time: of Can this movie be remade today? Yes. No. Yes. No. Can there's and al- should. Can and is, should it? How about there's that? Two questions. Only here. there is only one way that you can and should remake this movie. Oh, only one. Right. This movie needs to be done by the Muppets. Yeah, I don't disagree. Muppets take. <laughs> it was called, their Muppets take Manhattan was vastly different than this one. I think I don't know if that was the same idea. <laughs> give me, I, I, give me a Sesame Street gang. <laughs> like Oscar the Grouch wearing a bandana with a knife. We got about halfway through this movie before we just started naming which Muppet we thought would be. Can you see Kermit at the beginning? Can you dig it? (laughs) I told Lauren I thought that should be Fozzie Bear. Fozzie Bear. Can you dig it? (laughs) Waka, waka, waka. waka. 
Kermit Kermit is Swan and Mercy is Miss Piggy. And I think that's obvious to everyone. Well, that's pretty. Obviously. Yeah, you're right. That's not bad. You're right. Yeah, it has to be an expendable Muppet. So maybe Animal gets up there. No, Animal's got to be Ajax, doesn't he? Doesn't <laughs> Who's... That, Yes. Animal yes. makes sense. So I bet you it has to be Dr. Teeth. He's Cyrus from the Electric Mayhem. He has to get up there and do that because he's got the magnetic personality. That's that's right. But Lauren got it right with the uh, the kind of new Cyrus, the guy with the glasses, for yes. the, the the Gramercy riffs, Sam the Eagle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you warriors are good. <laughs> Kermit, the best. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my a, God. We need the Warriors Muppet version. And I already got it. It's the bass player for the Electric Mayhem or the guitar player who – can never really tell if that's a guy or a girl Muppet. Uh, the fight, the, the fight is just them like slapping each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! Okay, so can't so Fox, you say Fox is only... Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat is uh, pretty much is, yeah is cowboy. So what you're saying is um, the movie can be remade, but only if it's remade by Muppets. That's correct. Yes. yes. Lauren, you say the movie cannot be remade by people. Can explain? I why. think. I think, um, like I said earlier, like it's not like this movie is really blowing you away with like its script. Um, it's not uh, part of the charm of it is how low budget it, it is, the time period it came out in. Like those things do matter. Like the setting in which something comes out. I feel like we kind of talked about this with this with Airplane. The setting of when it came out is definitely part of the charm. I think making this movie now, it would feel very... Um, you almost couldn't build the world without the tech. Because the idea is the technology is not really there. So what do and you even, do? And even if you make it like a 1979 period piece, I just know that it would get remade in such a highly kind of commercialized way. Yeah, there'd or be a like, McDonald's every six seconds yeah, in the background hi- highly or something. Like, highly like artistic way. And it's like, sometimes things are good because you can tell they were made for nothing. Yes. You know, uh, sometimes that's part of the charm. And uh, I, I don't want to see, even if like A24 remakes this movie or something, th- the production value would be too high is what I'm saying. Yeah. You don't want to see like an over-stylized version of this. Like an right. update it. You, you just want to leave it a little bit gritty, a little dirty, and maybe a little politically incorrect. Or a lot kind politically of. incorrect. But yeah, maybe kind of. I it's I mean, I'm not like condoning that language or something. But at the same time, you can't clean up gangs, right? What do you want them to be? Likeable? You want them to be nice well, guys? Maybe, like that doesn't work. This is the time that it came out. I mean, there's, there's, this is such a hard conversation to have because sometimes you just have to accept that things were made when they were made. Yeah. And if it, if it was made now, yeah, half those slurs would probably not be in it, but some of them would be. Yeah. Because it's, it is 1979 New York gangs, you know? Would so this, I don't know. Next one. I don't, I don't think so. Next question. Would this movie be better with Carrie Fisher? <laughs> God damn. Carrie Fisher as the DJ. Yes. As the D. Oh, that as was the What did she play the DJ? I don't know if I can Could, take Figpin out of this thing. Could she be Mercy? I'm, I, 
I don't think that she could 1979 Carrie Fisher as as Mercy. I don't know. Hey, look, the woman who plays that sort of Puerto Rican looking woman is a beautiful Dutch woman. I think we could get Carrie Fisher to uh, (laughs) to take care of this. Can we get what about if she was one of the Lizzie's, Lauren? I mean, if she was one of the Lizzie's, I think that would be great. I think you're also, I'm I'm thinking in my brain, a different Carrie Fisher than existed in 1979. I mean, th- that's peak. You want Blues Lance. Brothers Carrie Fisher. That's what I'm thinking. I've got 1980 Carrie Fisher from the yes. Blues Brothers where she's just this gun-toting, hot, crazy woman. Well, and she's she would be Leia around this time. Which I guess is the same in some ways. I don't know. Ryan, have you ever seen her in the Blues Brothers? I've never seen the Blues Brothers, Tim. Carrie Fisher in the Blues Brothers would blow your mind. Blow your mind. Carrie Fisher's great in everything she does. I mean, I think she would be perfectly... I I think she would be great as Mercy. All all I'm saying is I, I saw Return of the Jedi when I was 12 years old. I'm not... I'm just saying you should Google some, Google some images of Carrie Fisher and Blues Brothers. Just, just go ahead take a look. Take a look. My wife is on this podcast, Tim. I'm just saying, like, just for your own <laughs> records, just for research purposes, not for because I think you should leave her forlorn. She's dead. So, I'll, I'll no, I mean, be kind. <laughs> she's Christ. What, I'm not, I'm not Ryan, saying you can go put her on your hall pass list, for Christ's sake. Anyway. Ryan, how many times have you talked about your undead? dying devotion to laura dern yes that's that's different that's different oh how she's actually alive she's actually got a pulse still (laughs) laura Laura dern is an ethereal being that doesn't exactly (laughs) exist on this plane this is we're not talking about something real we're talking about a philosophical idea of beauty God. What the hell are we doing? <laughs> I love I love how much you love Laura Dern. It's Can we just... add Laura Dern to the would the film be better if we had Laura Dern and Carrie Fisher or and yeah. or Carrie Fisher? I'll We're just give, me, just give me a rubber stamp, yes. I don't just... <laughs> find each of us throw if a hall pass. Me, if you want me to say the same hall line pass every actor. week, I will. If you want to throw in one hall pass actor a week, so we've got Carrie Fisher. Stop. I'll throw Rihanna <laughs> in. <laughs> Would the film be better with Carrie Fisher, Rihanna, or whoever Lauren wow. picks? Sebastian Stan. <laughs> Sebastian Stan. <laughs> We're just gonna just gonna pick. <laughs> okay, last one. Who wins the movie? This oh, is man. gonna be tougher because they. I think there's a lot of choices here. Yeah. So who wins I don't this th- movie? I don't think there's one standout. I think it's just who who you enjoyed watching the most. For me, it's Luther. Luther. Oh, that's in, that's nice. That's an interesting pick. I like that. I just think he does so much with so little. Yeah. And it's so in, every time he's on on screen, it's uh so interesting to me the choices that he's making. I I think he does he really he elevates a very small part. I really like Luther. Luther. Ryan uh, my winner of this movie is the director for getting Fox out of there for being a dick, uh, and then never mentioning him again. Walter Hill, um, like that, I said, he, he is, turned a nice career. He actually had a really good directing career. the the real The real joy of that is the never mentioning him again. This is the guy that watched <laughs> that watched Luther shoot uh, uh, Cyrus. He's the only one who really saw it. He's the reason this is happening to them. And he just dies, and no one seems to know he existed. 
They just they literally wrote him out of the rest of the movie. They never mentioned it again. And we're Lauren and I are sitting there watching this movie, going, "Are they just? They're just never going to talk about this." This was like, this was like Swan's right hand man. Like he was he was at his side the entire time. Like he wh- died horribly. He they they a <laughs> cop threw him in front of the subway. We didn't see any of that, but that is the worst death possible. That is the worst death in the whole movie. Which, by the way, can we talk about the level of lawsuit that city's about to get? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's out of control. It's a, out of a control. Public, a public servant who pulls a paycheck from the city of New York just threw a man in front of a New York Metro subway, and we're expected just to accept that? Yeah, he, he I'm sure he really got desk duty there. <laughs> These gangs are going to be protesters next week. It's out of control, I tell you. It's just, it's madness. <laughs> it's madness, I say. Um, I I got my winner down to a, <laughs> a couple. I got it down to Cyrus, or I got to think it's Cyrus or Ajax like, that win this thing. So maybe we got to sort this out real quick. Cyrus is on for like five minutes, but he's so darn memorable. Like he, he, he steals it. Like there's so much that he does that you're like, God, Cyrus is really interesting. I wish I had more Cyrus. I agree. I love, I think Luther's great. I wish I had more Luther. And, and I just, there's a little part of me that wishes I had more Ajax. I'm sitting, maybe it's because they're not in it for the whole movie. I don't have to deal with them for an hour and 40 minutes. I, I, I dig Cyrus a ton. I think Cyrus is awesome. And I think Iris or Ajax is a super fun character. So I got those two. It's kind of interesting that we're all over the place a little here. Uh, there's no, there's no one standout. I mean, I think, I guess an obvious choice would be Swan, but I don't think that so uh, Swan. I don't think Swan's like great. I think Swan's good. He's serviceable, but is he like a yes. great actor? Like, does he blow your mind with anything? No, I, and that's the thing. It's it, I don't think he's bad by any means. I think he's obviously the driving force of this movie. Like Ryan said earlier the only one even remotely concerned about getting home without getting stabbed. Um, the only one, but I, you know, and the actor who plays him does a, does a perfectly fine job. And he's just, I don't know. He's, there are other people that have less screen time that I'm just like really drawn to. Yeah. I think he gets carried by mercy by Deborah Van Valkenburg quite often. Yeah. Uh, as I call her DVV, uh, you know, as I, that's what I'm, yeah. I'm going to tell him a nickname right here. Cause it's got hard to say. Yeah. I got yeah. a good vibe. We're tight. DVV uh, works that film pretty nicely with, uh, with Swan. I just think she's in, a, she carries a lot of the scenes and makes Swan more attractive and interesting because of the way she sells her attraction to him. I think that really works for me, but I get, I, I can't give it to mercy. Mercy doesn't win this movie. Like mercy is just a part of the film, but like, yeah, it's just, it's no different than like Cowboy. Like, he's, he's fine. He's, he's fine. He doesn't hurt anything. He's good. But but I'm good with what I got. I got Cyrus, Ajax, you got Luther, and Ryan's got, uh, who did you take again, Ryan? I took the director for Killing Fox. The director, and being, Walter and Being a G about it. <laughs> being total G about it. Just <laughs> <laughs> looked at Fox and said, well, you know what's funny about this? You not working here anymore. Deuces. See you later. We're going to hey, throw uh, your ass in front of a train. Here's the new script. You'll notice it's only 15 pages. 
Fox is like, yeah, Fox shows up today. He's like, it's like that new uh, insurance commercial where he's like, and now I move to stage right and I am hit in the head by a giant piano. And it's like, can you see Fox? I wrestle with the cop. I veer, I turn stage right and I am thrown into a train. You're killing me off? What? What happened? I'm supposed to make it out with Mercy. <laughs> we're gonna need your key card there's no key card what are you talking about i'm gonna need whatever you have I, you can't even keep the vest give me the vest oh gosh guys i i did enjoy this pod this was so fun it's we got to mix it up every once in a while we've had a really cool start to peak cinema here over the last uh three uh, six weeks or so airplane very wacky we went little women great and then we go we go to the Warriors, this sort of cult classic. Ryan's got the next pick. And in two weeks, we're back again on Peak Cinema with Game Night. Uh, a movie that I have to admit, I have not seen. So oh, I need so to good. go sit down and watch this one. It's Game Night. And then Lauren's got a pick uh, coming up in about a month or so from that. So this should be uh, a lot of fun here on Peak Cinema. I know that my next Peak Cinema choice is going to kick ass. Can't wait for it. But we got Game Night. Space Jam Point Break coming up in the next six weeks. If that don't keep you tuned in, I don't know what will. That is such an eclectic mix of films. <laughs> I can't even get, I can't even talk about it. It's going to be so darn good. We've got so many good films coming up over the next year. We've lined them all the way up through the end of 2024, basically. We are happy to bring you a whole bunch of peak cinema in the next few weeks, a uh, few months six months year it's going to be fantastic lauren great job as always so good to have you here good stay to be positive. here stay positive sleep well you did great <laughs> thank you hold on does ryan have a tom kane fact of the week ryan where's your tom kane fact of the week boy i'm glad you asked i didn't really have a great place to put this uh i was waiting for you to shoehorn this thing in i almost forgot about it i i they're just there we we blew past the point about anabasis so fast that uh, that I, I just didn't have a chance to get it in. Uh, however, I'll say that I ruined the movie for myself in, in the first 10 minutes. Uh, How did you do that? Well, because this whole thing, the Anabasis kicks off uh, with Cyrus dying and them having to retreat because the, the person who paid for their, their way is dead. Uh, so Anabasis is about a, gr- a group of 10,000 Greek mercenaries who are hired by a, into a succession war in Persia by Cyrus the Younger. Uh, and Cyrus is killed in, in kind of their first battle, uh, the Battle of Kunaxa, and they have to retreat all the way back to Greece, 10,000, and they have to fight their way out because they're surrounded by the enemy. Kind of gives away the story. Uh, Fair. And... and uh, they have, you know, the main, the, you know, the main guy at the beginning is named Cyrus and he's the leader who called all these people here. I looked at Laura and I said, well, Cyrus is going to die. And then like a minute, she says, why would you ruin the movie for yourself like that? Get off your phone. Uh, and uh, she, she looks at the screen, looks back at me, looks back at the screen. Cyrus is dead. Uh, <laughs> as I, as I said it, uh, so it was, uh, that's your Tom Kane fact of the week is the battle of, uh, the battle of, uh, of Kunaxa was the spur of the event in, in history. 
And it's this is what that's based on. And it made the movie rather predictable if you knew that fact. Now, after we spoke today and after we've had this pod, Ryan. Yeah. Are you ready to say you like this movie? I think it's all right. It's fine. It's not my cup of tea. There are things I like about it, but it's mostly just not probably not something I'm going to watch again. I was going to ask you, would you watch this again? I wouldn't turn it off if it's all I had to watch, but I, it's not my favorite movie. Will you say, can you dig it to somebody uh, at some point in the next six months? I'll say it on Monday, I'm sure. <laughs> Will you gotta, say it at a speech tournament that's, that's, when a kid gotta, wins? It's got to get uh, it's got to get uttered in a speech room. Yeah, of course. Can I get you to say it in a speech, like at a tournament, when a kid comes back from like his first final? Hey, nice job today, kiddo. Can you dig it? You made your first final. Yeah, I'll I'd say almost it. Ap- appreciate it if you just kind of like worked it into casual conversation. Like, yeah, I mean, like, can you dig it? Finals? Can you dig it? <laughs> can you dig it? <laughs> Stop you got to say it a couple. Can you count suckers? One, 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 straight ones in prelims. Can you count? We got to get signs like that in, in the awards. Can you count? Straight ones. Can you count suckers? Stay tuned, boppers. Stay tuned. Anyway, what? go ahead, Lauren. I was going to say one last thing. I know I am prolonging this podcast, but I think one of my favorite things is that every sentence in this movie has a slur in it, but they're all using the word crap instead of shit, and it bugs the bejesus out of me. <laughs> like, they're all, they're very, like, clutching their pearls about normal swear words. <laughs> That's crap, brothers. Come on, man. <laughs> go, go the extra mile. <laughs> Yeah, don't just stop at the at the F slur. Don't say the don't, don't say don't say fuck seventy nine <laughs> times. Just seriously, just go right through it. Come on, man, keep going. <laughs> Drives me crazy how often they say crap in this. Set episode. the high score. This is like pole position. Like let's go as fast as we can. <laughs> All right, guys, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, this was a great pod. If you want to hear any of the episodes of Peak Cinema. Uh, from Little Women a couple weeks back or Airplane a few weeks back further from that or go all the way back deep into the archives, the Silver Linings Playbook to Austin Powers where it all began, The Mummy, uh, all the different movies we've watched over the course of Peak Cinema, Gladiator, you name it, we've watched it. Uh, Feel free to go back to the archive at timpodcast.podbean.com and go ahead and listen. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Pandora, iHeartRadio, anywhere, literally anywhere you get your podcast, you can find the Tim Anderson podcast. And I would like you to like subscribe, comment, tell a friend, say nice things about Lauren and Ryan. I would appreciate it. If you did those types of things, you can also uh, send us an email at Tim podcast at Tim podcast one at yahoo.com. And you can find me on X Twitter, whatever the bleep you call it at Tim Anderson pod. You can find Ryan at sweet cane music, find Lauren and go fuck yourself. Go try to spell that for yourself. Enjoy. Figure that one out until next time. For Lauren, for Ryan, this is Tim saying, keep your head up, and we'll see you.